0: Hello, this is Tommy Lee Wallace. I directed It, and it's my pleasure to sit down here and have a good look at it. It was 1990, and early in the year, some folks called me and uh, brought me in on an interview to talk about this uh, miniseries. I was uh, a marginal Stephen King fan. You know, I'd read two or three of his novels. I wasn't rabid, didn't follow every movie made and i had not read it and as i was pulled into this project and kind of swept up in it i decided to hold back and not read it right there and then in any event i felt like it would be a good idea to let the script do the talking and see what uh, what it would give me and uh, what i encountered just made me sit straight up in bed and get very excited call my agent and uh, say, we've got to get this. This is the most wonderful thing I've ever read. It's just incredible. Uh, Larry Cohen had written just uh, what I thought was a a unique piece of work for television. And unique, I think, because in the first night, he managed to take seven characters. And for those who know about television, a two-hour night of television is divided into seven acts. And, hmm, something that had never been done before. He devoted one act per character. uh, And I thought it was just a brilliant way to approach the material. And, of course, in this case, our story is about seven grown-ups who are called back together to make good on a uh, promise they made when they were children. I wound up with writing credit on the second half of the series because, uh, although Larry's first night script was, to my mind, one of the most brilliant pieces of writing I've ever read. Uh, the second half needed a lot of work. I really wanted Larry to come to Vancouver and uh, help me with it, but he had other commitments and couldn't make it, and so I had to jump in and take care of the rewrite myself. I, uh, I, I really tried very hard to be true to the book. It was a great coming together of a lot of talented, creative people and some wonderful... Terrific actors. Just the ride of a lifetime, it was just wonderful.
1: I'm Richard Thomas, and I play Bill Denborough, better known as Bill Denborough.
2: This is Tim Reed, I played Mike Hanlon. I'm John Ritter, I played Ben
3: Haystack Hansen. Dennis Christopher, I played Eddie Kasbrack.
2: You know, I think this probably was one of the most effective openings that I've seen on television really was very effective. I remember that day when we were shooting it. It was overcast so the DP was very happy. And uh... many people saw this and said, you know, I knew I was afraid from the beginning of this movie. Yeah. The sky's the color of those sheets on the line. Yeah, very eerie. There I am getting soaking wet with the <laughs> rain machine. Uh, I was uh, fortunate enough to uh, be interviewed by uh, Green Epstein for this part and uh, they brought me in. We talked about it. and. Uh, I had not read the book and I, of course, rushed in, and I did read it and was very impressed with, uh, with the power of it. And uh, really didn't have any idea how they were going to uh, use me in terms of the... I didn't know about the narrative aspect of it until we got there. I hadn't played a character quite like this uh, before, I mean, in terms of this tormenting guy, the uh, lone black man who stayed in town and uh, (laughs) it's my job to see that this town stays integrated. (laughs) But uh, it was really an interesting character because he he was a tormented figure, and uh, to keep that. Also, I like that that Tommy Lee kept us uh, so that we didn't go, I mean, you're always concerned about how much over you go and trying to uh, act fright. And I like that he kept us in a very organic, sort of natural flow of things.
3: I was very, um, I I did not know anything about Stephen King from his books. The only way I was familiar with him was from films, which I know are so completely, can be so completely different from the books. I um, had lots of friends, Sissy and uh, Amy Irving, that worked in Carrie, and uh, got to see a preview of that when we were all young and crazy kids and just loved that, and, uh, and then Stand By Me. So I was a fan of his movie work. I wasn't really familiar with this, and after I got the part, I devoured the book and loved it. Couldn't imagine how they were going to make this gigantic book into... Uh, Put it in this format because it just seemed to me like it should be on for a week or a month. There was that much material, and that much richness in it, so I was thrilled to be a part of this.
1: Well, I just, um, I had never read the book, one of the very few people who hadn't read it, and, um, subsequently did, of course, but when I read this script, I was just amazed at, at what a rich and exciting prospect it was, especially for a network television film, and the idea that it wasn't going to be done just as a two-hour, M- movie of the week thriller, but but full on and fully investigated with all the characters as, as richly drawn as they I found they turned out to be in the book as well you know, and I loved the part not to mention Olivia Hussey you know, I mean, I was such a Romeo and Juliet junkie as a teenager yes. there anyone that was not in love with Olivia Hussey.
3: No, I loved her. Yeah, yeah. yeah. This uh, this cast was what cinched it for me. I mean, again, aside from getting to work with uh, Richard and John again, it was just everybody else in it. It just seemed like a a, a banquet.
2: I had not worked with Richard before, and uh, and certainly knew knew of his work, but uh, found him to be a a real jewel in terms of his easiness, and really hit it off well with him. I was very i remember
4: tim remember in the rehearsals uh, richard had some comments about the script and it's interesting because a lot of times actors just you know get into their own birthday you know here's the problem with my character but richard talked very intelligently about the structure of the script and he hadn't read the book and he didn't really want to read the book um just to to work on the character and i thought he was really really smart you know and when i was doing the waltons I came up to him one day, and he was uh, reading a book on how to speak Chinese. I said, are you going to China? No, I just thought this would be interesting to read. And, I, and, and at that point, I put away my Archie comic book that, that I was carrying inside my script. I There seems to be a discrepancy in IQ here.
0: So there we were in Vancouver. We had a big cast, just a, an incredible cast of people. I was very uh, intimidated, to be honest. I was a little frightened that such a group of heavy hitters would be rough to work with on set. And irony of ironies, uh, the adults, uh, when we got them all together, they were just pussycats. They were all bending over backwards to make my job easier and to uh, make the thing go well. They got along, they meshed so beautifully. The surprise was the kids we cast relatively unknown kids. Jonathan Brandis was something of a preteen heartthrob at the time, but not a huge name by any means. And uh, so you could say the kids were unknowns, and it was the kids who got there and <laughs> argued about the size of their trailers. and <laughs> Just a headache on a daily basis, because uh, after all, these, these guys were you know, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15 years old. And they worked hard to make it crazy for me, and uh, I thought it was it was just great energy on screen.
4: Bug somebody else, you little cootie. I don't feel so hot.
1: Jonathan Brandis and I did meet and uh, got along, and visited, and talked about it, and shared our experiences about you know the different scenes and, and the characterization. Of course, we didn't get to play anything really together, and that was. Um, that was too bad I think he was just as thrilled to have his part as I was to have mine we all felt like kids I think and I i think one of the keys to to the whole energy of the picture is that uh, it really brought out the childhood in all of us I thought he made a great me and not only that a great himself you know I don't know how he felt about having a spot put on his cheek though you know I mean it's so interesting makeup artists work for hours to take those things to make those things invisible but um, I've managed to avoid that for for 40-some years. I think if they did make it invisible no one would know who I was. Poor Jonathan, he had to go in there and have that thing put on his cheek every day. I like the character of Bill a lot. Um, I I, I identify with writers, you know, I I liked playing a writer. I I felt that in some ways he was a surrogate for the author and that I think, as with all the characters, a return to childhood trauma was at the center of the character. It certainly was for me. Uh, and the opportunity to, to go back in time and reinvestigate, you know, the, 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 uh, the traumas that give us the scars that we carry uh, is, is dramatically really, really interesting. I think everyone can identify with that. Any adult who really is willing to look back on their past. I really got to know Stephen King's work after I did this picture. And, uh, and I've enjoyed them a lot. I particularly like the stand which I thought was a thrilling book. And I'm very interested also in his writing about writers. Maybe one of the reasons that I was so drawn to this particular character, I think that Stephen King has a fascination with what he does for a living. I think he places writers very effectively at the center of his work, investigation of the dark and light sides of that process. Ah, Tim. You know, he looks just the way he does when we run into each other at the produce department at our local grocery store, but without the red nose. Okay, the question is, does everybody love clowns or does everybody really hate clowns? Right, I mean, I think we, down deep, we suspect that what is true of Pennywise is true of all clowns, that if we really get close enough, they will eat us. I think Tim Curry is a courageous and, and exciting performer who who has inside him all of the, the, the um, all, and I mean this in the kindest possible way, terrific creative madness to be Absolutely brave and, and uninhibited in his performances. I think it's what makes him such a terrific performer. Having read a book of a, of a, a picture, I'm about to do. Um, although in this case, I, I read it afterwards. But I, I think I think one of the most important things for me is to then release myself from the obligation of fulfilling of fulfilling every every gesture that's indicated in the book. I mean, after all, a picture is a work of its own. Um, I think any author. Who, who doesn't have complete contempt for film as a, as a medium would agree that once the movie begins to take shape, it, it has to have its own identity, its own inner logic. It has to tell the story in its own way. I, I, you know, a, a movie is a good movie or a bad movie, pretty much regardless of how it treats the source material. Everything is based on source material of one sort or another. So you have to, you have to do the best job you can to be faithful to, the, to what's inspired you, but then you have to just focus on making a really good picture. This kind of stuff was very creepy, I thought. I thought that the, um, we were starting to do things on television that you didn't see very much. These, these gory little details, um, the little, they're sort of mini special effects, like the blood coming out of the page and later on at the Chinese restaurant, yeah. I thought this was very unusual for, for television movie production. With regards to adapting the book, I think these these little special effects, these detailed special effects, um, not only were something I think pretty new for a television movie, but um, I think they helped people who were fans of the book to, to, to really f- to feel that we were making a, an accurate and faithful adaptation. The big question here is why they forgot um, you know, how could I forget? How could I forget? I've always felt that the book was really about childhood abuse as I think a lot of Stephen King's books are and I think that that moment when you wake up and remember that remember that abuse of whatever kind it may be and feel compelled to go back to the source of it. I think that's one of the deeper currents in the film.
0: So we've finished up Act 1 and character 1 and we're on to Act 2 and character 2. Enter John Ritter.
4: Uh, John Ritter here I play the part of Ben and uh, I'm a huge Stephen King fan I get his books immediately uh, when they're in the bookstore the first day and I read it when it first came out and when I found out uh, they were gonna do it I wanted to drop the trophy and uh, drink free alcohol on a set of a movie with a young actress who I told would be the lead in this film of course she only worked a day, but I told her it was a very short film. She had no idea who I was. She thought I was Bo Bridges, but that's all right. Here you are, my good man. Recycle. Anyway, I love the idea that they're their kids playing us. I think that uh, the kid who played uh, Harry Anderson's part, Seth Green. He's this is his last job that Seth ever did. Was it? Never seen him again. But. Uh, we had so much fun on this movie, um, we would all go out dancing, all the older kids, um, actually the later versions of the children, not so much older, we just aged better. And uh, people don't know this, but very soon you're going to see a Time magazine, uh, I use that as my headshot still, because I'm too lazy to get other pictures. I keep the Time thing on there, I just crossed off the name Ben Hansen. people don't know. We had to work very hard doing this scene. Uh, I remember we did it many different ways. This was the vertical version. Bet your fern uh, was, I don't think, a literal translation from the Stephen King.
0: No tongue. I hear bells. My pants are ringing. I love this flashback storytelling. <laughs> that
4: kid who played the that guy right there with the squiggy hair, he, uh, was a sweet kid, um, but he really, really did not like to say the N word to the to the young black actor and yep. apologize. It was so touching in rehearsal. It was, he, okay. he was such a nice guy, and he had to play such a villain. First read? book I ever read of Stephen King's was Salem's Lot, and it was um, it was such an exciting vampire novel. And then I read Carrie, which was his first one which people don't remember too much about they remember the movie, but that was done in a series of letters and diaries and uh, newspaper clippings. And I thought, who is this guy? Uh, and then my, I think one of my favorite books of all time is The Stand. I just love that. You know, in fact, Annette as a as a present gave me um, the annotated version of the, of the Stand, the new version of it. We sat in front of him at an all-star game in Cleveland and he took his son Owen and my wife uh, made him laugh by gonna kill he spilled his coke and it, no, and, it so. and it came down to our level right underneath his you know he was right behind us in, in Jacob field and and he said oh sorry and Amy said wouldn't it be cool if that was blood <laughs> he thought that was funny and uh, they sang uh, the Canadian national anthem and he and he yelled out okay now let's let's sing the real one he was very cool a very very cool guy
0: there is something that stephen king has in his heart about childhood that is so compelling he nails it so well people who love stephen king talk so often about how scary it is and how oh it's just terrifying and he's the master of suspense or horror uh, etc on and on and on all that is true i'm sure but what stephen king is to me and it's it's born out in other movies as well uh, including stand by me which is my favorite stephen king is that stephen king is about childhood he's about the mysteries of childhood the secrets the bonds the pacts that children make the promises the fears and the tough times of coming through childhood in one piece he writes to that so much and so often and never more effectively than in It, in my opinion. You frequently find bullies in Stephen King's stories, and of course, Henry Bowers was one of the great ones. These rites of passage, uh, there's this undercurrent, of course, in It of uh, this terrible plague uh, hanging over these children, sort of rumblings of uh, of uh, pedophilia at work here i think too it's very timely from a 2002 perspective with what's going on in the catholic church but uh, you can run the whole story and kind of track it from that point of view and uh, and the fears and the anxieties and and the traumas involved are all there Um, but that uh, that looking back that returning or attempting to return Is is, to me what makes this story special, and what makes so much of what Stephen King does special.
1: Well, so long, Ben. I
0: thought these kids performed with such integrity. They, uh, for the most part, they were just getting started.
4: They were on the set when the older guys were on. Uh, They were in school being taught. But Ben and I did some exterior, I mean the young kid and I did some exterior work. He was a really great guy. We had a good relationship with him when we saw them.
0: I'm not the first director who has has uh, said that sometimes you can just take a kid who never even been on camera before in his life and because they haven't developed a lot of habits and mannerisms and, and uh, behaviors and poses what you get is true they're able to stand up there and play a part and and really become in that moment the truth of that character oh God. and brandon crane was one of those kids uh, i love his presence on screen there's a pain there uh, remember that uh, when you have a portly boy playing the part of the, quote, fat kid, in the story he has to endure insults and taunts of all sorts as his character. But the human being playing the part has that to deal with as well. And for an adult character actor, it's one thing. But for a kid character actor who's very fresh and new to it, you can see it on his face, some of that stuff's real and uh, it's captured there for always.
3: That's uh, me, Dennis Christopher, in the blue sweater vest there ensemble. Uh, we did get to actually see the, the younger versions of ourselves because they'd schedule these things on the same day. So whenever we had the memory stuff, the kids would work in the morning, and they, we'd come in a little later. But we uh, we sort of get to see them in passing. Yeah. We didn't get a lot of interaction with them, but we did get to meet them and see them. But there was one day at the mental institution I remember.
4: Oh yeah. That had
3: that big hill, where we. I just remember playing with the uh, yeah. the young man that. Um, that played my part as as the kid, and we had a really good time together.
0: Adam Perezel, Little Eddie. It's funny, these kids, they're very, you know, different shapes, sizes, and ages. You might not have thought going in that it could work, but throwing them together, it feels real to me. It's just like in my childhood. All the kids weren't the same height. Uh, or even in some cases, playmates managed, you know, two, three-year age gaps and, uh, and still played together. Same with this crowd.
2: This is Tim Reed, and um, I remember meeting the kid that uh, played me as a young, uh, young, uh, young fellow, and I was a little worried because I thought somewhere in my past I had maybe met this young man's mother. <laughs> he yeah, looked he so looked a lot. Like, lot yeah. yeah, I was amazed. I know. Yeah, <laughs> and afraid, I think.
3: <laughs>
2: I actually worked with the young man who played my uh, character uh, years later uh, on Did uh, you really Sister, Sister, yeah, he came in and, and and almost didn't recognize him because he, of course, a few, few years older and Marlin? much taller.
3: Marlon, Marlon
2: Taylor, yeah. Oh, awesome. If I remember correctly, the weather itself was sort of strange while we were up there. Very, very yeah, gloomy. Gloomy.
3: Well, Canada, huh? Well, wow. yeah, hey. Hey. <laughs> it didn't rain, it rained a lot.
2: I still kicked myself for not investing in a young company It was around the corner from the hotel where we stayed. And I went in and a guy said, "You should get in this company. We're going to go we're going to franchise." And it was
3: called Starbucks. Yes. Oh, <laughs> you're kidding. Me. That's right. I went,
2: "Nah, who wants coffee?"
3: Yeah. Jesus, you're giving away our age now. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Well, I got involved with this movie because I'd wanted to work with all these veteran actors that I had admired from the time I was a child. When he was very I there young, was a lot yeah. that I could learn. From... Yeah.
2: <laughs> when he was breaking away from. Yeah, but he was breaking away.
3: <laughs> no, but it was true what John was saying. We were all very six degrees of separation in this film because yeah. we had just all all of us had overlapped somewhere before in our in our working careers. It was just amazing. Um, Richard and I had done. Um, Nine thirty fifty five. Oh together. right, the James Dean thing with Jim Bridges did. Mm-hmm, yeah, and um, and you and I did that Hooperman together, which was really great. I'm trying to think if I had any other connections.
4: Richard Masseur then became a yeah. uh, uh, Screen Actors Guild president mm-hmm. yeah, after, after he got I his a, head chopped off.
2: Yeah, yeah, Richard and I did a pilot together many years ago that we all thought was going to buy us new homes and cars <laughs> called Bumpers. Really? Yeah, with Brian Dennehy, Richard, myself, Jack oh Riley. My God. And everybody thought it was it was touted as going to be the hit, the new sitcom Wonder. Oh, and it uh, they never really... It aired one time uh, because of some tragedy, and they said, well, we got we got to fill a half hour, throw this thing on. <laughs> oh, man.
3: <laughs> I had to take back the car, bit <laughs> it's always the kiss of death when they say that something is going to be great
2: yeah
4: and they, they're going to love it yeah before they ever yeah. air this it, is going to yeah. be fantastic trust me
2: but you know it's interesting when we were doing this uh as has as been mentioned the relationship among us uh, off screen as well as on screen but you had a feeling there was i've never been in anything where the the relationships developed quite so quickly oh yeah uh, that was us. true yeah. that
3: was that was uh well, there's something about, I mean, John, and you got us off on this track all the time. There's something about humor that bonds us together. Yeah. The subject matter was heavy, right. and everybody in the picture, I thought, was playing against type, right, right. Uh, which I thought Tommy Lee did such an excellent job in casting because he really did cast everybody against type type you know mm-hmm. i mean you were the the tortured uh, architect? Right, architect right right that's right yeah. yeah and everybody was really not who they were so we were all very concentrated when we were doing our scenes but to cut the tension in between time there was this humor that evolved
2: i don't think i've ever us. laughed so much we and, we laughed, <laughs> we, and then
3: we'd go
4: out we'd go out to dinner all the time uh, together yeah. and we just get a room somewhere i mean in a up above a restaurant or underneath a restaurant and we just scream all night long yeah. it's
3: so much fun you know you see people disappearing into their trailers in between takes but it wasn't the case of this they'd put our chairs out there with all our names on it and we were all like glued to each other it was like nobody wanted to miss a second of being together because the group i mean everyone says this in shows and movies and tv things that they got on like a family but we got on like a house on fire really it was just uh maybe it was to cut the tension from the heavy material i don't know but we just bonded very quickly like you said tim and it was great
2: you know uh, i still happen yeah we finally see tim Carey here as uh I, I still think that's one of the most frightening uh creatures in in all <laughs> of film
4: yeah you know it, people have said that this uh you know Ruined their whole relationship with clowns.
2: Yeah,
4: <laughs> I think clowns are vaguely sinister anyway. I think Stephen King's
3: on to something. These well, guys are... John Wayne Gacy helped that franchise <laughs> just a little bit.
0: Yeah. But you
2: know, remember, I don't know if you remember uh, where you were the day that uh, they were trying to decide on what to make him uh, look like and they brought in all these outfits and one of them were very grotesque uh-huh. and teeth yeah. and we all settled, we all voted and settled on the simplicity of the clown uh-huh. yeah. and just with a little facial uh, with the teeth and, and it ended up being more frightening than anything they had showed us.
3: Well, that's, you know, you get a good villain and you got it down. That's yeah. just the secret I think of. And Tim
2: is frightening uh, in real life, <laughs> uh, I, yeah. I think, uh, those of us who work with Tim Curry.
3: It's funny, we never, you know, I got to be better friends with Tim after the this was over yeah. than we did during it yeah, because I, it's I like did. we never made, no, somehow he, we never made space for him or he kept his distance Well, right, I right, Well, after right. seeing well, him in that was,
2: clown, I didn't want to get close to him. <laughs> well, I think it was the drinking, too. Yeah, oh, I was, <laughs> yes. Well, there look at cares. how beautiful well, the... Net,
3: Net O'Toole is. What a sweetheart. Man. Um, I just, I'm stopped cold when I see her. I just can't I, see I anything. To do, I got to do
4: Love Letters with her and this movie and this uh, movie about L. Frank Baum called The Dreamer of Oz. She's just such a sweet, loving Perfect. actress. She's married to Michael McKean now. Did you guys know that? i'm kidding. And I i already mentioned Squiggy, so I might as well mention Lenny.
3: <laughs> really?
4: Yeah. She likes She's those, very, very happy. She likes those blondes, yeah dennis morning. leave her alone we all fought for her anyway yeah does she
3: like my veins
4: <laughs> i don't even want to know what that means asking that <laughs> oh god you and your veins <laughs> you've L- got veins you probably think this film is about
3: you <laughs> those lips yeah hers are good too no <laughs> uh, he should have taken more time with that one easy What she got on her, her manhole covers what? On her ears. Oh, she covered them up. Oh, she they're her-
4: condoms. She heard you. They're condoms. <laughs> you never know. <laughs> the
3: gold coin ones. <laughs> Safe hearing. You guys wouldn't know that you're married.
0: Oh, that phone's going to ring any minute. I think this is part of what makes, what adds to a, 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 a story like this one that's so intriguing and compelling. You start knowing what's coming, and... Uh, Hitchcock had a lot to say about that, uh, surprise versus suspense. We know that she's gonna get the phone call. We know every one of these characters is gonna get the phone call. And in that way, we're, we're ahead of the story, briefly. And it allows you to anticipate and sets up a, a situation where you're, uh, you think you're in control or you feel that you have a little control. Uh, and then, but the fun becomes when is it gonna happen? And what's the development around that? event we now don't have to pause for the conversation we didn't have to leave that in we can cut and we got that part in act one and two and we're on our way and those nasty habits that uh, her father forced on her this this awful uh, little streak of uh, abuse well darn it Beverly's gone and picked it up in her adult life but all in one little Scene, she kind of liberates herself. I love this scene, it, uh, it was heartfelt. I wanted her to uh, speak for any woman who's been through that. No, that's right, fight back. That a girl. Now get out fast. Structure, so much about structure in this story. All I wanna know now is what led her to that? What got her there? How did she come to that pretty pass? I'm dying to know, so we're gonna very accommodatingly dolly in on her face. Family? Friends. Friends, yeah, let's go see them. Let's go develop the story some more. Vancouver's a nice, versatile town, too. About the only thing they can't do is a motel. Uh, It's hard to find good motels anywhere besides the place they were invented, the good old USA. Frank C. Turner. Wonderful face. Uh, now, he got a lot of work after that as a Vancouver local with all the Hollywood shows coming through town. It's pretty well known on television by now. I think just a fantastic face. I love the era. I think the costumers did a brilliant job. Nice and subtle. Uh, most of the time, not a, not overplayed. Just look at the pedal pushers. Simple. By the time we got hold of this movie and were really in production, Although it had started out as a fairly amply budgeted movie, you know, uh, each participant, especially at the top end of things, uh, they take their cut, and uh, by the time it was time to shoot, we were, we were in low-budget situation. So uh, every department, especially the, the absolutely brilliant art department, uh, didn't have all that much money to work with. Uh, it's just a, a fantastic tribute to uh, how well it all came off.
4: Do you guys know each other already?
0: I love the costumes, especially. I think they, uh, well, costumes and hair, you know, and cars, when you're doing a period piece, if you get those right, uh, you can get away with murder. As long as I can remember my, uh, I've just had a special affinity for movies about the team. Guns of Navarone comes to mind, The Magnificent Seven, The Dirty Dozen. Um, I just love the business of assembling the team for whatever quest or task or challenge is up ahead. And this is no different, just just the mechanics of having the group come together. And in this movie, of course, we get to do it twice, uh, as children and as adults, this team has to go and conquer the beast. I'm just a sucker for endless kind of everyday ephemera about teamwork and how the team comes together. This group in the form of play builds a dam. Uh, And of course that in some way symbolizes uh, them learning the skills they need to work together because they sure are gonna need them. But that's uh, those are the building blocks of my favorite kind of movie. I thought this was particularly effective. Just a simple little scene about uh, a triangle and the agony, especially, especially poignant when you're a kid, the agony of being drawn to someone who cares about another and really doesn't feel any way at all about you. That desolate moment, he's standing out there by all those power lines and that, that industrial crap in the background, lonely man, rejected. Once in a while, you get it right. Here we're working with nothing more than a balloon and a vast quantity of blood. But there again, the cheap tricks, uh, sometime if they're in the right place in the story, it doesn't take that much. Looks a little like the clown's nose, and those balloons, oh, my God. Well, I sure was hoping by this point that the audience was getting it, that the the blood and the gore and all the mess was something that the kids knew about and could see, but that the adults couldn't and didn't understand. I worried, though. I, I worried that the folks in the back row were still not getting it. In the end, I just said, hell with it. This, this has got to work. Secrets. Secrets between that nasty thing and the... In the sink and the adults don't know so three of the team members are assembled the magnificent seven
3: you know half of those bottles actually were mine <laughs> Uh, I'm not kidding you. The one up in the corner was mine. I mean, they really are. I'm a major vitamin guy, and uh, I'm serious about putting half of those things up in there. Tommy was amazing. He let you bring as much stuff or as little stuff from your life as you wanted to, Mm. from props to ideas to anything. He's very... um, Altman-esque in that kind of way, because he really welcomes input, he creates an atmosphere on the set that makes you do your best work, there's never any pressure, there's never any expectation to perform, but you end up just giving it your all, so I just loved working with him. And as I said, I still have that vest. Boy it was fun to be thin, wasn't it?
4: you look good Dan. you look good today
3: uh, today just put those pants back on you'll be uh, fine you know after 40 you never tuck in your shirt anymore have you noticed <laughs> <laughs> those shirts from the philippines they're the answers
2: just need us all i know is i want to skosh more room in all my pants <laughs> <A skosh. laughs> that's where i buy my pants at the skosh,
4: yeah, the skosh. it, yeah, it, it the used skosh. to be the gap but now i have to go to the skosh yeah who's uh, that guy mm.
3: He's a—he's the head driver for the oh, limousine he's company. The limousine. That I own. Oh, that's right. Very, you own a limousine wealthy. company. I forgot we about that. Yeah, Except that. for Tim, we were all very wealthy because we got out of town.
2: Yeah, I so, stayed there. I'm I know, you, I that's had to be it. the one black there. Tim, man were you the down. editor of the paper? Was that the thing? I think, I think that went under. I was at the library for oh, a while. The librarian and uh, the whole bit. But a uh, very torn up, tortured person. I, th-
3: I think they were playing a little thing in this scene, a little bit in the scene that this driver may have some sort of interest in me but as I was saying before you got all that stuff before about the virgin with the character because it was a way of kind of trying to introduce some sort of Sexual uh, trauma into this character without overdoing it, and without having to write a whole backstory for it. And again, something you brought from your personal life. <laughs> well, safe sex—I took it a bit too far. What can I say? No, I mean, you say virgin, there is no history, so there is no backstory. Once you say that word, that's it. You know, that's a, that, that's 20 pages right there. Um. Let's see. This looks like Fade to Black all of a sudden. I think that's a werewolf with, uh... No, but I mean, it looks like a scene from another movie that I was in earlier. Is this the teenage werewolf one? This is the... John, yeah, John uh, that was Michael
2: Landon. Michael Landon, yes. Sorry.
3: So cute, these kids.
0: That's it. Throw it down there, Seth. Seth Green. Seth was quite the life of the party. It's, uh, it's a joy to see him, uh, thriving as he, uh, becomes a young man. On his head! <laughs> He was generally behind all the, the uh, mischief around the set. He was very much like his character. Loved to cut up, make jokes, be a wiseacre, but uh, always there when the uh, when the big moment came, he delivered the goods. It's an interesting composition problem, uh, making a movie that really should have been a, a widescreen movie, a uh, Panavision, Style two point three five movie with all those characters, but the destination for this picture was television, which is roughly one three three to one. The aspect ratio, uh, something just a a a square that's been stretched ever so slightly. Um, So we were constantly grappling with the challenges of putting, you know, almost every shot you rarely had a simple close-up. You always had to cram the screen with four and five and six and seven people, which uh, the widescreen format does beautifully, but is a much greater challenge on television. I just tended to stretch the frame as much as possible, use the corners. The challenges that go with uh, with this kind of composition have to do with getting the actors to stand closer together than they normally would. Uh, Arrange themselves so that they can find the lens. Uh, when they when you block a scene, uh, you've got people in the back who can easily be be blocked if they're not standing in the right spot. Uh, those are the things that take take the time and take uh, extra takes uh, because uh, those shots don't just happen naturally when you've got seven or eight or nine people in the frame. Something about being in a shower by yourself. Ever since. Uh, Ever since Alfred Hitchcock did it to Janet Leigh, seems foolproof. Everybody knows that vulnerable feeling. Oh, that Tim Curry. That shot especially uh, kind of points out his bulbous head. Um, When Tim came on to the show, he had come off of several shows which he had gotten buried under mountains and mountains of makeup. Uh, The Ridley Scott picture legend comes to mind he uh, he had done several he had made a big impression uh, as an actor primarily because of his incredible voice he uh, he, you know he could do an incredible character buried under a lot of makeup Uh, we say goodbye to Dennis here I'll come back to that story in a second this is my favorite shot in the movie I stretched it about as far as I could stretch it in this one
4: the it, it, stop the
0: First we start on the ringing phone, which we'll come back to. But you get in front of one high and we work our way through look, look, this TV studio, introduce the agent character there. Here we are out on stage. Oh, that Richie Tozier, he's a star now we'll go back backstage with him back the way we came that phone's still ringing and we know who's on and what's going to happen those kinds of inventions you just can't do it with a conventional dolly you got to have that glide camera to work with to go back to tim curry he came into the movie with a sense that uh, he was sick of all that makeup and although he was being hired to do a clown, he wanted it to be pretty uh, minimal on the makeup because he just didn't, uh, didn't think he could face another go around of all, you know, he just didn't want to be covered up anymore. He wanted to be Tim Curry. Um, In the meantime, before Tim had hit the scene, I had been working with uh, makeup people and uh, designers Uh, Doug Higgins, the production designer, uh, and the storyboard artist. Uh, We'd constructed various uh, ideas about what we wanted uh, Pennywise to be like. And uh, it certainly involved prosthetic makeup. Uh, The idea was that we would apply uh, elements across his forehead and uh, certainly uh, some kind of big nose and cheekbones and an extended chin and a a big cap headpiece of some sort and when tim saw all this he was just crestfallen he just couldn't he really really had a problem with all of that stuff so i made a deal with him you know uh, if he would try all this stuff once and give us a good screen test with it uh, i'd let him try a minimum minimal version where it's just tim curry and white makeup with the clown nose and that's about it well tim pretty much won that argument because of the force of his characterization of pennywise was so eerie and powerful um i had to admit you didn't need much in the end i insisted on the forehead the bulbous head just because i thought we wanted to push it just one little surrealistic uh point over into uh, distortion, but Tim was right. Uh, his his own face in in that white makeup with the uh, with the red mouth and the red nose was and, and the crazy hair was quite sufficient. Didn't need a lot of exaggeration, and uh, I think he uh, pretty well ruined clowns for everybody for the rest of time. All all children everywhere have commented to me and adults that uh, oh forget it, they just can't stand. Clowns ever again. Three, six, seven people in that frame. Over the cop, onto six. Soon to be seven. So we've got four characters introduced so far. Now it's all about Richie. This, uh, we had many scenes. Uh, when you do a any, any movie, uh, the director and producer are going to try very hard to make it an efficient shoot. The object is to pull those trucks up to a location and park them and work whatever location it is to the limit. In Vancouver, we found uh, what I think was, I believe it was a mental hospital that had been abandoned. And it had a vast underground network uh, of uh, tunnels and the like. And oh, boy, what a treasure trove. It gave us cafeterias and school hallways and um, various exteriors and, and things on the school grounds. And then, of course, the tunnels, uh, the tunnels inside. Oh, hey, hi. Remember Cigarette Man? Introducing William Davis. You will recognize him as Cigarette Man from the X-Files. Here he's the principal of our school. Like many other Vancouver uh, character actors, he just received a uh, windfall of work, if you will, during the 90s from uh, productions heading northward uh, to take advantage of the exchange rate and work in Canada, what uh, Hollywood is very rightfully concerned about now, and they're calling runaway production. Tim didn't need much direction. It was just all there. He had worked it out, and, man, he was terrifying, just terrifying every time he hit the stage. Secret, it always comes back to the secrets. And to a fundamental lesson I learned from uh, an editing teacher in film school, it's not just about the action, it's so much about the reaction. Don't forget your reaction shots, kiddies. And it's time to Get up close and personal with tim reed's character and his childhood counterpart marlon marlon taylor <laughs> i love that little reaction how long are you going to be in here with me and henry bowers has a little smile could be the, for the rest of time for all he cares there's lots of humor floating around uh, witness the airplane and all the little reactions around it uh, i think it's important in a scary movie you need humor uh, all along the way, just sort of hand in hand, carrying you along. It can't all be serious or there's no relief. You don't get a chance to breathe. Oh, and Henry Bowers, God, got among all his other faults, he's a racist too, my oh, God. Cherry bomb. Ooh. And if you threw one in a toilet and flushed it just at the right moment, you could blow the thing right off the wall. Sometimes necessity is the mother of invention. I really didn't have time to shoot this scene properly. Um, we were running out of light we were running out of time I didn't have a clue and then I sort of glanced around and saw this big old steam shovel and just slammed all the kids up against it and managed then to get all my coverage from one angle what takes a lot of time in in the movies is when you change angles your cameraman and your lighting people have to relight everything and they have to go and change it all around so it continues to look good and look as if uh, it matches whatever you shot before well if you notice this scene we keep cutting back to is all shot i would call it flat it's all from the same camera position and the lighting hasn't changed Well, the audience doesn't care about that. We cut a corner and I was sort of desperate. And in the end, I like it very much. It's it's sort of postcard-like and and they're all kind of flattened out and isolated in this place. They're not in the same frame. They're sort of talking out to the universe rather than uh, directly to each other. There are no angles involved and somehow it all came out right. But I think frequently directors find themselves being complimented by critics on, certain, oh, they did this for this reason or that reason, and most frequently it's because you're desperate. Any time we can get to something resembling a Western, I'm happy. You
3: know how
0: to take Jared Blankard played Henry Bowers. What a neat kid, he uh, a, he wasn't the conventional thug. He wasn't big enough or heavy enough to be your conventional sort of deadly thug. Uh, he just had the menace that I thought was wonderful. It was complex and uh, not quite the obvious thing. Seven, now they're complete. Love it, the team is complete. Pinnacle moment in the movie. Here's another moment that was born of desperation. Light is failing, what do you do? You've got dialogue to shoot. You need to uh, get it done quickly. And the answer was do it in a wonder. and act like you planned it that way. And in a funny way, you glue them all together into the team that they are now. It, The monster gets a name.
4: That's what happened back in Georgie's room.
0: They're all having to admit it. What's been going on? The only holdout is Stan. This was a toughie, getting this picture to come to life. It would have been fun to have spent another $100,000 and several more days getting this whole thing to uh, be even more convincing. I think in the end we got... uh, we we gave it enough to make it scary. Oh my god, he's coming right up in our faces. That's scary. But it's tough to keep that illusion going that he's he's in the photograph album. That's very hard without more coverage and more trick shots. Okay, I got that. Very ritualistic. So much about the group believing and galvanizing themselves together. Really, the meat of this movie is about that phenomenon, is that the group had to come together. They had to get on the same page before they're going to make a commitment. And here, the commitment, the, 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 the question is asked and the commitment is made that carries them throughout the rest of the movie. Jonathan was beautifully effective in this moment. I'm happy for the success he's had too. We worked together again on a uh, television uh, remake of Born Free, uh, called Born Free, A New Adventure, I think. Uh, When he was uh, 18, we went down to South Africa and made that. It was great to be with him again. Boy, I wish I'd had a gang like that when I was a kid. We played Monopoly on the front porch and kicked the can in the summer times and went for ice cream, but it was never as cool as this. Of course, we never encountered a monster like this either. The ones we ran into were much more worldly. One of John Carpenter's favorite tricks is the old what's in the frame gag. Well, let's see. That must have been number six because Stan is number seven. So somehow we skipped one back there. It all comes together around Stan and uh, brings us to the the hook finish, preparing us for night number two. The main thing I wanted to convey was that even though Stan is having a life here, it's, it's not... It's stiff and strange. There's something not altogether kosher about it. It's the lamps in his house, and it's all kind of strange and gets stranger as we go upstairs. We're send? supposed to be getting this creepy feeling that uh, nothing about this is going to work out quite right. Even the lampshades are a little screwed up, tugging the ear. Please. Ben Heller, young Ben Heller, Richard Masser, worked on that together until they had it. And the way they walk. this is good. Richard really captured the way Ben did this when he walks out of the room here automaton kind of walking. Boink. There he goes. Now, look at that. What a weird place. This is sick, deeply sick human beings operating in this environment. This kind of weird furniture and this whatever all that stuff is. And it's all because of his childhood. Hmm. That's it. It was meant to be. You. I, I think it's... It's a blessing and a very lucky thing when a director finds himself with a cast who are creating characters that he can love and nurture. It isn't always the case. These kids drove me crazy as actors on the set. They were kids and they were noisy and they were always, you know, their attention span was about eight seconds. But the characters they created were so right and the tenderness they showed each other and the way they took care of each other, really as actors and as characters, was so touching. I think it got on, on film. Maybe the reason, or one of the reasons this movie was as successful as it was is bound up in the way they really bonded and the way they made their characters bond and the way they looked together as they do that, you can't body English doesn't lie. You can't hang around that way and lean against each other and put your arms around each other unless there's something at work that's genuine. And I think there's a key to the success of this picture in what they were doing together. I'm Looking back on it, I just love these kids. I, they're both the actors I'm grateful to, but the characters they created—it's such a poignant reality that I think is what uh, Stephen King was alluding to constantly in his book, and perhaps that's a key to uh, to why it succeeds as well as it does. Passing the pipe around, real sort of druggy looking visual reference, but an important uh, ritual. They've all gotta do it, yes siree. That one was easy, it was really raining that day. All we had to do was uh, shoot it scary part about rain when you want it and it comes is you've still got to bring your own in case it stops hardest thing in the world to get is to get an adult actor to kind of play a line toward the lens the way jared just did kids won't question you you can say look just throw that last line toward the lens adults oh boy they'll fight you on it oh that's not natural that's too theatrical i don't know how much of the details are available on screen, I assume that folks who are watching this on DVD are getting a pretty good image. So the details of this cavernous place they're going into are uh, fun and interesting and scary. Uh, We just basically built a kind of a fake hole into the bottom of this abandoned steel mill, but it afforded us many, many great angles and interesting uh, corners and backdrops for, for so many of our scenes of the underground part.
3: What are you afraid of?
0: Fern Dock. We actually used that when I was a kid. You get a lot of mileage out of dripping water. We kept our special effects man very busy with that sort of thing. Okay, we need dripping water here in the background. Quick, throw a light on that, let's go. Smoke constantly. You get ready to shoot and then you had to smoke up the set so that it would catch those all these light beams. We worked hard on this Little uh, really, very simple bit of special effect, but it was sheer hell getting a, the the cameraman invented a little dolly that would run along those pipes uh, that we could mount a camera on and then and then pull it or actually push it in this case with that they they'd worked out a whole system, because uh, we certainly wanted to feel like it was flying along down below. Got so much mileage. It's no, it's no, it's no headline, it's no news, but by now everyone should realize that the less you see of your monster, the better. It was, yeah, oh my God, all the way inside his mouth, cool. The uh, less you see of your monster, the better. It was with mixed feelings that uh, at the end of this movie on the second night that I finally kind of had to reveal The monster and do some combat with the monster because i think the minute you get there the scare power goes down because you're no longer working with your imagination and the imagination of the audience you're showing them literally what's what and that just isn't nearly as scary as all this kind of stuff where the uh it's what you don't see that scares you this next sequence is a perfect example of that when uh when the monster comes and and takes Belch away uh, all we see really is a uh, a glowing light in a pipe oh we've got to get to the Centrum first this uh, this wonderful set that uh, that the uh, Douglas Higgins and I came up with uh, we just needed a stage a place to stage this action and this, this delightful marvelous set that's sort of down in the dungeon as it were has a temple-like quality about it that makes no sense at all but uh, seems to work jared's spooky he's so intense i love this yeah not much to it just a a light and a perforated pipe but uh it's what you don't see that scares you i found this to be the case in the, in the book as well Is as long as i didn't know what it was as long as it was something that was so powerful it just kept dealing with your mind and messing up your head and manifesting itself as whatever your worst fears were i was totally magnetized and intrigued then we finally get to the end and it it has to come to something real and final or so stephen king felt and uh that was more difficult we'll talk a little about that when we get there Look out, Henry, you'll never be the same. He looks like one of the Lost Boys in Peter Pan, or one of those weird creatures out in Pinocchio that turn into a goat or a pig or whatever it was. That's it, you better get right in the center. You need all the strength you can get to withstand whatever this thing is. I thought this was quite effective with nothing more than smoke and mirrors and a little kind of phony set piece thing that uh, was just amounted to some fiberglass and cardboard. Once again, the eeriest stuff is sometimes the simplest. I found uh, when we returned to this as adults down in night number two, I thought the eeriest moment was when this little boat comes floating down that thing. Well, there's nothing much to that but a piece of monofilament on a, on a, you know, a, a wire on a the, on the paper boat. But my God, that was terrifying. Yeah. Smoke is always helpful. I got my fill of it back on John Carpenter's The Fog. Uh, boy, we got our we got our merit badge uh, in the smoke world on that movie. A little rack focus. The language, basic language of movies. It sure comes in handy to be able to do those little rack shots once in a while. Oh, that was a bit of magic. Switch actors right there in the same shot. That's good. Uh, the audience doesn't know that, but I think those subliminal things come across. It all feels like it's happening in the moment, and I think that adds to the suspense and the scare power. The this POV effect in general, to me, uh, I woke up to it on uh, Halloween. John used it very liberally as the point of view of the bad guy, of the man with the knife, the man we called the shape, the Michael Myers character. and. Uh, Boy, when you get in the head of the beast, when you get in the point of view of the beast, there's something incredibly compelling about that. That's plenty of trauma for uh, poor Stanny. I love how Stephen King manages to get away with a, a fantasy that comes true. This kid walks up to the monster and squirts his medicine in his face, which we already know is nothing more than camphor and water. Or we we'll, we learn that eventually. But it works. It works because they all believe. That's the stuff of fairy tales. That's all the way back to Grimm's fairy tales and simple uh, legends that were passed down orally. Get that nice hothead crane going again here. Get down low next to the water. Something nice sweeping. Helps give the movie scope. Provides some sort of mood that's... Uh, and intangible. The poor guy that came out to operate that on this day was not very experienced, and we needed this shot so desperately, it just had to keep rotating around and around. We've got this hothead in the middle of these kids, and the camera is just supposed to keep going around and around and around, and this guy didn't know exactly what we wanted. And on one side, <laughs> uh, Richard, the cameraman, Richard Leiterman, is whispering in one ear and I'm whispering pause in the other ear pause okay now hold go 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 you know and uh, after a couple of takes we got it but this poor guy he was just was just a day higher and uh, he had come into a realm of people who had been working together for months and who knew exactly what they wanted and were passionate we knew we were onto something we knew we had a winner this poor guy he, he pulled it off but I know he was terrified he was shaking in his boots Here we are back at the weird house. I love this lamp hanging on the, uh, not this one, but the one in the next shot. Uh, This perverted, yeah, that lamp in the foreground. What's that about? Stan, just all weird, too weird. You know something awful is, is afoot. For my money, night one is the best example of a seven act picture ever presented on television. Part two is going to concentrate on the adults i think it's nicely uh feathered between the stories of the adults and the children it's a it's just a fact of life that although all of these adult actors are wonderful really effective in their parts there is something not quite as magnetic about the story of the adults and i think it goes all the way back to the book it's not just the um the fact of this mini-series, but it's the fact of the story itself, that the childhood story is more magical and more compelling and somehow more involving in a funny way than the story of the adults. I believe that's just a fact of life. Uh, But of course we had some of the best uh, TV actors in the whole wide world on our side, so I think in the end the balancing act worked just fine. Uh, It's easy to watch these guys, and they're awfully good at what they do
1: poor tim curry man every morning he i mean he was in makeup so or he and then he had to stand around in that thing all day long put those teeth in this clown did not floss well
2: he's a brit i remember he was always in he was in turmoil about that am i you know is it working is it uh he was he, well,
3: was... he was in a clown suit for my sake <laughs> why wouldn't the man but, but i think our yells every time
2: it? he came on the set would have would have convinced oh, him that he yeah. was
3: scary <laughs> but you know you're the only person dressed like a clown supposed yeah, to be yeah. being the ma- master villain of a stephen king novel you're a little scared about it also
2: took quite a quite a bit of time to get him in that makeup yeah. every day
4: bill is the stephen king character you know the the horror writer and i love that they they printed all these little novels up for him smile the glowing
2: yeah, and soon
4: he's gonna see his old buddy Mike.
2: There you there there are, Timmy. Just where he left me when uh, I was at the library when he went up left town. Same sweater. <laughs>
1: <laughs> For me, the key to this picture and the key to the experience of the process of making this picture was the chemistry between all of us. Uh, Tim, I had never worked with before, but you know, we got together and had dinner and and you know, spent time together from the beginning to try to sort of make up for lost time so to speak Uh, you know everybody else a lot of us had worked together before I mean one of the interesting things about this picture is Annette O'Toole and I you know had had done had done theater together many many years back at at the at the uh, music center in Los Angeles Um, you know John and I had worked together Harry and I didn't know each other Dennis Christopher and I had worked together but there was sort of like one and a half degrees of separation between everybody we all either had worked together or the person we hadn't worked with had already worked with one of the other people. So there was an extraordinary web of connection and it took very little to, to activate it. I think the key was the, was the, uh, the vibe between all of us. Right down the street. We met for rehearsal um, about a week or so before the picture started. We went out together we went out to dinner we went out dancing a couple of times we had a wild night of dancing and sort of clubbing where we just kind of had a had a blast and and partied and and um, you know just got got casual and, and got real open with each other and so that by the time we started the picture i thought there were a lot of bonding had been done i mean there was already as i say a lot of bonding present
2: and there is the bicycle that i saved
1: i studied for for days and days and days Before we shot the scenes on the bike, I
3: don't know something made me buy.
1: You were just like a saint. Your character was just the sweetest.
2: Yes, Uh, it was just uh, saintliest guy. I knew you were all coming back for me. Now, (laughs) dare I say, the Christ figure of the piece.
3: Now, what was your sort of John the Baptist? uh,
2: (laughs) What was your secret? Um, I think a guy who just didn't, um, you know, who didn't try, didn't do, you know, it's like I wonder what would have happened if. But he was drawn as all of us. He was not able to break. Away from those horrors of his childhood, everybody else sort of tried to forget them. He wasn't able to forget them, so I think it, all he's done in that time is to wait, wait for
3: this moment. I guess every character was frozen in a way, weren't we? Yeah. Everybody was just stuck in whatever whatever cross they had. They got stuck, and you your character was an alcoholic, wasn't he?
4: Well, he was heavy, and then you know, then he became an alcoholic. Yeah, he just you know just shut it out. I think a lot of uh, you know, a lot of adults that repress horrifying, traumatic... Uh, mm-hmm. I know. loved Harry in this Now, movie. Harry, I, I have to loved say, loved Harry, him Harry improvised a, a lot of the dialogue, a lot of the little jokes mm-hmm. Harry came up with. Now, Harry's an interesting guy. He was a street magician, mm-hmm. a street performer for years, and very, you know, he he's a very tough guy. I mean, he, uh, he's got a very high BS detector. Self-made man, Harry Anderson. Yeah, yeah really. really, I mean, he... he he pulled himself up by his own bootstraps
3: uh-huh. and you know he uh, just went for it he would always do magic for us uh, on the mm-hmm. set and he just had me mesmerized No, he is he's so talented so i
2: remember he was building a house up in when he was going to move yeah. up to portland or something he like did that? Yes, he did yeah.
4: and now i think he lives in new orleans oh. He'll the last time I was with I'm Harry, he did, a, he did a special. He did a magic show special, yeah. and I did a little, mm-hmm. uh, a little bit with him. And his thing is, he's a, he's a con man. I mean, he admits it. Mm-hmm. He can, you know, three-card Monty, and he knows all the tricks. There's Ellen's mom. Oh, really? The librarian,
3: yeah. I'm sure that was her first gig.
4: This was a hard scene, this scene with Harry. I mean, this was uh, physically really hard. to get. He gets something happen to his face very very soon, I think.
2: I remember we almost destroyed this building. I know. Remember with that,
3: see, when the earthquake, yeah. whatever it was going on, when all that stuff was falling? And it actually kind of was falling us. Yeah. Yes. We, we got clipped a few of yes, us. a few yeah. times. Uh, but this was Harry's first dramatic part. And I yeah. remember he was real nervous about this. Yeah. He was real nervous that people shouldn't be laughing. Right, right. Now, how about this? The blood, Look at yeah. that. Hey. Oh, poor girl. So you want to be in
4: pictures, lady? This is tough for Harry. Like, bam, right? Oh, yeah
3: you got to watch those laser peels. <laughs> <laughs> Too much carrot juice. <laughs> He's just the best. Did she see the blood? No. No,
2: no nobody sees it. But him. So she didn't even see the blood. He was just yeah.
3: screaming at her as far, yeah. as, far as... These as far are the
2: things to. that have been haunting all of us. We only then see these blood. Then why in things. the
3: reverse shot did he have... He shouldn't have had blood on him in in her point of view, don't you think? oh well yeah well, too much they only had one t-shirt the well, it's not
4: too late to reshoot it dennis why don't we just <laughs> grab him from new
3: orleans and uh... i wouldn't mind doing that harry also uh i don't know if you knew this but while he was doing this he was just finishing up doing a screenplay writing a screenplay of this book called um geek love oh right yes which i had read in galleys and uh and we had that in common. I mean, I, it just came up in conversation one day, and he said, "You've read that book?" And I said, "Yeah." He said, "I'm doing the screenplay. They hired me to do the screenplay." And I read it, and it was really, really fantastic, good. and a very, very
2: hard. I didn't get stunt paid for that one, by the way.
3: Uh. This is all you.
2: <laughs> no, no, it was not me. They wouldn't let me do
3: well, it. This is you without the gray in your hair, right?
2: Uh, oh, no, that, I got the gray. No, I
3: meant the. That other was funny. One. I meant yeah. the I other got one. hit by a button right
2: yeah. there. Yeah. <laughs> that one. Now
4: this is Richard Thomas's first bike riding uh, excursion yes huh?
2: this was this was his first time he was so uh, concerned about that and of course we joked
3: him <laughs> uh, oh you're gonna make that little uh, engine game uh, cool
4: this is cool Uh-oh. I took one of these cards not these cards but
2: I see it Some of the credit cards from
4: those cards, that one of those guys. Oh, you did? Yeah.
2: Yeah. Nice one. They're all coming back to Derry now.
4: This girl driving me uh, was a stand up comedian and she was hilarious. I'll call you from the hotel. Look at the size of that cell phone. Look at that cell phone. (laughs) This is the 90s, early 90s, 1990. Well, they've cut her out, John. No, I think she's in at the end. This is in Vancouver, Lionsgate uh, Park. Really beautiful yeah, up really here. Great park. Happy plants. Happy, happy. I
2: remember it was so much downtime between uh, waiting and and for your scene, and a lot of us used to drift down to the
3: set. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Were we all first together? All of us together? In the was it in the restaurant? Well, you know, we rehearsed for for a week most of but us. The, the time. Characters. Yeah, oh, the, the characters. It's yes. our first scene in the yeah. Chinese restaurant. It's when we're all completely assembled right, together for right. the first time.
2: Yeah. That was uh, quite an experience mm-hmm. shooting that scene. And then we were together in the hotel all of us and then in the house. Yeah. Yeah. For the final I'm getting out of here. No, we're going to do this. <laughs> We had a little time to rehearse, and I thought it was—it really helped me in really terms did, of yeah. focusing, and and that's when I think we started to bond as well, and we were able to um, to go with a soundstage um, just for us, and we'd go on there in the day, and we'd work things out, try some improvs, uh, and
3: um, it would really helped us a lot. Am I mistaken, or is this was this Tommy Lee's first big? Um,
4: yeah, he had done, I think he did a Halloween, or was that what he did? Halloween 3. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. yeah. This was a big, it was a, It was a very important thing for him. And he wanted to get it right, and I mm-hmm. think that's why he had the rehearsal. It's just such a great idea, not a lot of people do it. But it's a really, really good idea.
2: You have to do it with an ensemble cast. I mean, that's the only way you get to work things out and, and get a sense of, of timing uh to try to do that on the set the first time Yeah,
4: we saved a lot of time because we yeah. could hear the other pre- people and and um we t- we you know we talk about the show mm-hmm. when and he was always doing tim was always doing something new uh that's me turning the balloon nobody knows that but i'm turning the balloon with my finger there we go and uh
2: Oh, okay. It was Here's actually Dad. more flexibility. Uh, this was
4: good in the pharmacy? The king yes, of the sweater
2: yeah. vest. I still
3: yes. have that shirt,
4: too. Was this in the in the, in the pharmacy? Yeah. Oh, that's a yeah. great scene. Oh, it's the same pharmacy that Capper used in It's a Wonderful Life.
3: I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I love the way this changes. Mm-hmm. now, Nelson. Smoke much? Eleven.
1: Almost twelve.
3: <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. Like that. Don't go in the back room, Denny. Yeah. This kid has such a soulful face, doesn't he? Look at that. Troubled yeah. troubled young boy. It's nice to know that your nose grows as you get older.
2: I want the same shriekhead uh, medicine that you have.
3: Oh, God, look at that. <laughs> oh, look, those glasses. Big glasses. This is a town of big glasses. <laughs> yeah, this is that's probably yes. a computer screen in both of those can't. We we're just riveted to this <laughs> <laughs> i love this scene i love this I mean, they're all like going back to the fly paper you know we're all just hovering around and we're all going to get stuck soon
0: wow and in perhaps on night number two especially introducing these characters we got to shoot some close-ups and establish these fabulous actors that we that we had in our movie unusual uh given uh, the first part which was all about seven shots six, five people in the frame six people, seven people in the frame for a little while at the beginning of each of, of these acts and when the characters come into town, they're alone uh, they come from isolation before they rejoin the group and we get these big clusters again Again, you know, there's that overcast sky, it just stayed yeah, that way the whole just time white way sky yeah.
2: and this is Annette's
4: uh, bit isn't it where she goes home, the blood house
0: By herself in town. I very much wanted to put her alone here. Same background that Ben had when he was a child, trying to help the audience remember where they are, give them something to uh, remember by. These are my favorite kind of cheap tricks. We saw marsh on the doorbell. We established that with an insert shot. We'll go back to that shortly. Kirsch. Oh, damn. That's a li- that's my favorite kind of scare. It's just visual trick, but it makes you uneasy. What's the reality? Something's wrong here. Something's definitely wrong. Don't go in there, for God's sake. That's the kind of cheap trick I think that pays off beautifully.
3: Her scene uh, as the little girl with the blood in the sink and the, all of yeah. that stuff just flips me out. But you know, he did something very similar to that with In Carrie. I mean, it's you know that whole kind of pubescent girl face. Is it is it her fear? Is it her imagination? Is her it, is it her first period? Yeah. Or is it really happening to her? It's he has used that a couple of times and it's always effective on me. Yeah. Always. I
2: saw. Anytime you you juxtapose that kind of scariness with children, it's all it's you know. That's why I like that that opening scene when you mm, see this right. little kid and you see him for the first time, um, and adds an extra fear factor. And uh, that was, and then also the the restaurant scene. Although it was it was very difficult to shoot because we had to do it in sections. But when you when it plays back, I
0: think it's one of the more poignant moments. I think that's important too. It's the delayed. The deferred effect, you just know something horrible's going to happen in there, and it doesn't happen. It makes you nervous. It puts you off. It gets the audience in this uneasy frame of mind. They keep anticipating something, but they're not sure what. And then, oh god, it's right at the point of the greatest order. It sneaks up on you. Something wrong here. Oh my god, what's wrong with their teeth? I didn't see them very clearly, but there's something awfully wrong. And it starts creeping up on you.
3: That's that red ginseng tea. Yeah. <laughs> very thick. Oh, there's the Tim Carey teeth. Yeah. You know, they don't hit you over the head with this, either. It's kind of subtle. First
0: to stay will mean worse than your death. Pennywise, he's back at him again. Oh, God! Making trouble, creating these horrifying things for them to deal with, trying to divide I them. I remember uh, uh,
2: par- uh, friends of mine who had children calling me uh, and saying, I wish you had warned me. Mm-hmm. that this was going to be uh, so frightful for because I would well, have... What did they think? It was a story about Clara Bow? I don't, <laughs> I yeah, don't
3: but know. But, you know, in the promos, if you remember in the promos, yeah, they did. showed Tim Curry as the clown. So people thought... Kids, really? It's a scary movie, but there's a clown in it. Yeah. But, uh, uh, no, I remember about that because yeah, somebody know, else told me, too, about it was my sister with her kids. She was saying, I wish you would have warned me about this.
2: Really? Yeah, yeah. yeah it uh, it uh, really scared... You'd think that the, the name Stephen King
4: off. would be a tip-off that this ain't exactly Care Bears.
0: Love this effect. Again, I think we got away with so much on relatively simple, cheap effects like this one. Very eerie. And it's just a guy way down the street, series of pulleys and a and a fishing pole reeling that thing in. Introducing Olivia Hussey, star of a wonderful Romeo and Juliet. When she was a mere youth, a mere babe. Still a babe.
1: I'm simply this
0: entire storyline here uh Olivia did it beautifully uh, it's troublesome to me i I followed as faithfully as I could what the book was was trying to do with this this uh, connection between bill Dinbro and his wife and her desire to to come and kind of rescue him and in fact she turns into the victim and has to be rescued uh, it's troublesome for me though i, I don't think dramatically it worked all that well either in the book or in the movie
1: I think uh, doing a horror picture is is um, people ask me for you were you scared making that movie well it isn't scary to make a horror movie it's fun it's scary to watch a horror movie in fact I don't watch a lot of horror movies because my fear factor my fear threshold is very low um, but it, it was it was a, sort of an exorcism you know to, of fear to, to, to get behind the scenes on these gags we took
2: this place over and uh, and I remember how the difficulty with the cameras and everything.
3: Hey, Zach. Oh. <laughs>
2: the
0: reunion begins. Oh yeah, there we go. Here's the other two oh. guys. Don't hug him, he's a virgin.
1: <laughs> Four of us now. Yeah.
4: Where's Richie Tozier when you need a good line?
1: John Ritter, my evil twin. Reverend Fordwick from the Waltons. I can't ever see him without thinking of him on a pulpit with a Bible in his hand. Yeah, He's all hopped up, right? Yeah, see, they,
3: up in though.
4: the book, he's a coke head, but I don't think they did that here, right? No. Did they do...
3: He plays it like one, but I don't think you ever see him. I think we were trying, because in this he just scene, did, he goes he's, he's goes supposed and, to go in and... He has water here.
4: Yeah. But I think we tried to get that, but the, I don't think the network would, no, would they, approve they, of that.
2: No, they cut down on that.
4: They said people start calling
3: this film Night Coke. <laughs> well, he just did it in that little dialogue. He said, too much fun in
1: 67 or something yeah. like that. The big chill with blood. Mm-hmm. There she is. I got to talk about Annette O'Toole. We, we, we had a wonderful experience together in the theater years ago. I've always thought she was a terrific actress. And again, you know, the minute we started to work together, there was great history that came out between all of us, the kind of thing that you can't, you just can't fake tommy lee was like a big kid with a with a with an erector set you know or a a magic set or a chemistry set something this movie was like something he was unwrapping under the christmas tree you know and putting together uh i think that he was thrilled to be doing this movie and i think that every scene was enormously important to him and he had a bunch of naughty kids on his hands, because that's pretty much what we turned into as the picture went on. And I'm sure it tried his patience, but he tried as best he could to maintain a, a feeling of, you know, fun and, and, uh, and playfulness. Of course, we knew how to get serious when, it, when, when it, the material called for it. My favorite scene in the picture is this scene. Scene in the Chinese restaurant. I wonder if everybody feels that way about, about this scene. It was the first scene when we were all together. It was a scene in which we got to play all our past relationships to some degree. It was a scene with really seriously cool, gross little special effects. Um, And it was, I feel in some ways, the heart of the picture because uh, you really, really do get a chance to see an ensemble of actors playing deep and, and long relationships. And we got to play both the depth of the characters, and we got to play the fun of the horror gags, you know? I just thought it was so cool that Ritter got to wear a leather vest. I really envied that. Of course, I got a, I had a ponytail. Of course, he had a beard. Of course, I had glasses. Of course, he had a black T-shirt, but I had a stutter.
3: I don't know. I remember being really jealous of Harry in this scene because he just plunked down on that couch and he never had to match where he right, walked. That's right. right. Because wherever, whenever you walked off into another part of the restaurant, you had to know that that's where they were going to pick you up later and you kind of had to remember yeah. it because they might not get to it for another four hours or something. So it was all about the matching situation was a little hard on here. There's a lot of people to cover here, too. I mean, it took and a Very
2: little time. room to put the camera. What
4: was it, Tim? Three days we did yeah, this? three so. days. Yeah. yeah.
2: And we jump back and forth but
4: uh i remember they said okay guys tv guide is coming to do an interview with all of us and we just i don't remember who it was in the reporter but we we just worked them over yeah. we scared them we just come bursting in and it's okay i'd like to talk to somebody else and we just jump on each other and it was just horrifying we just had so much fun with them and they captured, I mean, they, they did an article about our Find the show. four shot, find yeah. the four
3: shot, find the five shot. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody get in there. There's the
2: famous acting wedge.
3: Yeah, yeah, oh, the wedge, <laughs> that's right. I was trying to remember what we called it. That was so funny. To get these many people and still have all their faces, you know, it's like, see so you can still see Tim, you can mm-hmm. still see Annette, but it didn't happen easily. No. <laughs> yeah. This is the big trill. mm mm-hmm. uh Yeah. Fantastic, Sam's. <laughs> Good food, I remember though. It was all. Yes, what are you we talking? Were... It was all sprayed with like that no, stuff. No, it they... wasn't. Not this
4: stuff. It wasn't. No, no we this ate were, that. They, they, they served it, and we ate. But you remember, remember
3: this is when I was a macrobiotic, so I wasn't eating. Oh, oh that's, that's right. You had special either. stuff. Remember, I, yeah. yeah, yeah. Eat,
4: Dennis was eating twigs and berries. Uh, so. you know, it was pathetic. Oh, look at this. <laughs> oh, this.
3: Holy <laughs> <laughs> Harry! Look at her. She's just lost. The waitress i met and this R- were these people's real restaurant the people that waited yeah. on the tables yes. yes. right. is- i like the
4: music in this movie
2: yeah, yeah. this truly wasn't acting we were really actually having a good time if you remember tommy told us improv this but get the lines in <laughs> yeah Rem- right one, pick right. your one or two yeah. uh, lines get the story and points and get the story yeah. points in but all around that we could
3: dance uh, Well. Yeah, I'm seeing this really wonderful... I love this round-and-round round shot. This is an count. amazing mm-hmm. shot. And I know I mentioned it before, but it really does have an Altman kind of feel, the way the overlapping and the way everybody's just inter- 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 intermingling their dialogue, their improvisations with the story points. Hey, remember the fortune cookies coming up? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, all the special effects in this scene. We had puppeteers underneath
0: the table. Yeah, a bunch of people in there, pulling wires. The chance now to... Kind of get used to the idea that all these kids are grown up and now that they're back together to really we needed a scene like this to just pause and see them and accept them as adults this is a hard thing to do in a story this long and complex is it's not just going to be about the kids uh, and the adults aren't just going to function as bookends we're going to settle the story In the adult world so this was necessary absolutely necessary to settle down see these people close-ups see who they are and uh, hopefully come to care and to like them as adults thank god you were there tim (laughs) i've been in that town waiting for this day this is i've been dreaming of this once again the greatest fun and best scares were not the big elaborate special effects, but the relatively simple things, these intricate little cookies, and the horrifying things they start doing that were the most effective. Limitations of budget became an asset. Nothing much to it, really. Oh my God, that really is terrifying, horrifying, grotesque. Handheld camera, help emphasize the nervous moment
3: am I wrong or did that, did we have like a master
2: yes we did have one
3: did stuff like happen in one scene this wasn't all it looks like it was shot isolated
2: well they did pick up I mean, they, they did, did pick up yeah, yeah but didn't
3: yeah. we try to do it like kind of for real to get our reactions and stuff I think we did I we think master. we did
4: a master but without the things working you
3: know. oh okay
1: very creepy very original too I think a terrific idea I've never seen that before that's something that I, I haven't seen in a picture and I haven't seen it since so I'm I thought that was it. Those were terrific gags. And
0: once again, it's humorous. Uh I can't I can't say how often humor seems to come into play for me as the exact right note to hit for serious scare power. I'm not suggesting that it's a send-up or a spoof. That's a different matter altogether. I'm talking about when you really want to get serious with scare power. Uh you've got to float some humor into it. I love going back to to old, cherished sequences, too, like this one, and pay it off an entire halfway down the movie later. Uh, We'll go back once more and piece that scene together. We just saw young Beverly cleaning up, and there's this marvelous moment later when we revisit it once again, and her friends come and help her clean up the mess. And it galvanizes her moment. She says something like, "I fell in love with all you guys that day," and uh, oh, how poignant and uh, Boy, yeah, and satisfying. <laughs> Done in pieces. Speaking yeah, of it editing, this is all improv. Yeah.
3: No. Did they make us take out all of our Pierce earrings? <laughs> Just you. No, I mean he's Pierce too.
1: Up. Wait a minute! He is the brother I never. That's so funny. <laughs>
0: Harry struggled with this monologue. He's the funny man and he was supposed to be setting us up for the big, terrible letdown news of Stan's death, Stan's suicide. It was rough for him because his humor is different. He didn't spend all of his time doing stand-up, so it wasn't like that was what he was known for. But in the end, I thought he just did it brilliantly. It came off well and was a good setup for this that follows this, this awful realization that they're in trouble. I don't think I shaved in the whole picture. (laughs) (laughs) You
3: couldn't afford razor blades. You paid for that Chinese (laughs) dinner.
2: (laughs) Bad dye job on the
3: side. (laughs) (laughs) That little uh, baby powder brushed into your hair. The the toothbrush. (laughs) That was Tim Curry's real hair. He had to shave his forehead back.
1: was the last one of us to see it that summer.
3: Richard Thomas is so eminently watchable, isn't he? I mean, Mm -hmm. you can just 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 listen to him and look at him. Tell me any story there is.
0: And as the group leader, both Jonathan, the younger Bill, and uh, Richard, as the adult Bill, both have, they, they, they have this sterling sort of leader, Boy Scout quality that comes quite naturally to them. There's a sincerity there and an integrity that is just unquestioned. And uh, it translated, I thought, very well from, uh, from boy to man. It is kind of interesting that most of us have a light
2: you know, comedy background in, in many ways you would think they would go for heavier actors
3: yeah well i think tommy noticed that uh people that are comedic have big demons inside them and he tapped into that i think in all of us a little bit
2: i was really impressed that stephen king allowed so much flexibility with uh
3: mm-hmm. with the book yeah. mm-hmm. well i think he knew you you just weren't going to get all that into it yeah. and
4: uh do you remember the giant turtle in the book the giant turtle that the, 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 the wisdom wheel of the wheel life oh, or yeah, something yeah. like yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was I wanted that to get in, but they said, "Are you out of your mind?" Well,
3: yeah. They shot their wad on building that spider because although it didn't, we all didn't like it. It was huge. That set oh, yeah. was
4: huge, and they sold it to a film company in Nagasaki for fourteen million dollars. Did <laughs> it?
3: No. <I> <laughs> and that spider was operative as well. Yeah, I know.
2: I was really frustrated, I, angered by that, because see, I never saw the the actual spider, because I, I wasn't in the cave. I
0: was. Oh yeah, right. In the you were in the hospital. So I never. After all that,
2: I never got to see it. Henry Bauer
0: stabbed you. Yeah, that's right. Things school. expand now. We're I said, I hanging out with the adults, coming to some truths right that they weren't it's... really telling when they were children. Kind of Elements of therapy come into play here. Group therapy. Come back and come back and tell the truth about what was happening to you when you were a child.
2: Anybody else? Yeah. Don't open that!
0: Measure for measure. That was cool. I enjoyed this. I loved those books coming off the shelf. I thought that was neat. Uh,
3: this is where we I got beaned and we, stuff, we, we, all got, we, got, yeah. we all got clobbered. They never tested any of this crap, and oh, this no. stuff no, was We all got the And then, and you know, the it's
4: like little tiny paper cuts on the neck, which you wouldn't think of. How'd you get that? Oh, I cut myself on paper and on your neck. And it was a neck.
3: one-time only thing, too. One time only. I tell you, we wrecked this building. Oh, yeah. It, it actually, in real life, was worse than it looks here. I love this part. Yeah. yeah. It was really a mess. When it done, when yeah, done
4: we, it. we wrecked that place. But I think the books were the prop books, because they had to be...
3: You know, you asked that question about what it's like reacting to something that isn't there. You know, I've been in stuff uh, like that, where you're the only person on camera looking at the whatever it is that you're looking at, and, you know, there's a blue screen in back <laughs> yeah. of you or whatever. You, um, but uh, there's something when you're doing it, in a shot with five or six other people standing around you that are doing the same thing. It's sort of like there's an energy of pretense that's created or something. And everyone is so focused on it and there's a feeling there in it. So it's kind of easier to do when you're doing it in a group than if you were just there on your own. I don't know why that is, but maybe it's just the, the energy of all the people involved doing it at the same time. I like this movie because it reminded me that acting is pretending. Right. Because yeah. we all think that acting is such this incredible artistic expression. Well, it's pretending, you know? It's it's probably the reason why we all started to do it to begin with. Yeah.
4: That's how I explained it to my, my kids. Are big. I have three kids who are big now, one little one who, you know, it's going to freak her out when I show her this film. She's about four now. Uh, she's going to be terrified when I show her this, but I think she needs oh. to see it to tell her the dangers of clowns and <laughs>
3: asthma medicine but uh <laughs> she thinking of dating one <laughs>
4: <laughs> but i used to tell her they said what do you do daddy oh, i pretend i'm pretending that i'm doing this i'm pretend that's what the word i use i said i'm gonna go act now i said i'm just gonna make believe and that's what they get you know it's like okay you know and i've done i've been doing that you know all my life my brother and i used to play you know cowboys and indians and but i would always be a monster indian you know with like something hanging from my eye socket I Thought that added a little
2: something <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh
3: maybe it would be we'd all have healthier egos if we called it pretending yeah yeah Yeah. we wouldn't be so uh you know
2: method yeah and have such
3: gigantic egos and think that what we're doing is all that important or is all that
0: if they only half believe
3: this guy should blow his nose definitely
4: i think the problem was he blew his nose too much (laughs)
2: yeah (laughs) i like the term that lemon used uh magic yeah, magic I mean, time. Magic time. Uh, Jack, I mean, is that Jack Lemon? Yeah, yeah. like Jack Lemon. He he always says it's magic time, and and uh, th- something like this. This particular piece is truly about making magic. I mean, as you say, pretending right. and having little toy things move around on the table. Mm-hmm. It's creating that illusion, that magic.
4: Now this I didn't get. You know why, guys? Is because this phantom hands him a switchblade. I felt that this crossed over. Not that this movie, you know, could happen in real life, even though this was based on a true story. I'm kidding. But um, where did he get the switchblade from this ghost who brought, you know, it this didn't... Somehow I didn't go, I didn't get this. Or in his mind, does he really have a switchblade
3: or doesn't he? Because he's going to end up stabbing Tim with it. Yes. So it actually is a real yeah, thing. Yeah, so I always wondered... Yeah, it crossed. I see what you mean. Because the stuff that we see, nobody else sees. So that's and the
4: clown kills this adult that's the clown I, i didn't this sequence i don't remember this in the book and i this is the one thing aside from the spider at the end that i didn't see how he would escape i don't know
2: yeah here's another place we tore apart yeah the hotel
4: there's a scene in here that I begged Tommy Lee to put in. and it's it's straight dialogue from the movie that I, I went home to my hotel room and, and wrote down so I could bring in and show Tommy and and he said no, and each one of the actors backed me up, we which I loved, lobbied for you
3: I remember which, that. and
4: it was about what happened, why I lost weight and it was a scene. And Tommy said, you've got to you do it faster because it's a you know it's it's only a four-hour movie <laughs> you remember how it's only a 30-minute show John you know that's four-hour movie I said please let me do that I said and and they said well you gotta do it fast and I think I did this too fast but what was really really great the thing that sold it um is all the other actors reacting to this speech that I do in a while I don't know when it is but I think I'm rubbing Annette's back so she liked it because she got a neck rub <laughs> But um, it was all the other actors sort of, you know, liking it. So that's what sort of energized me. But Tommy really didn't want me to do this because he said, you don't need it. But I said, please let me put that in just for those. And it's word for word out of the book. And it's still there. It's still in, I think. Oh, yeah, it is. This I dug. This is Mike talking to us about every few years this horrifying thing happens.
2: This is the worst thing for an actor, exposition. You think, nobody really cares how I do it. They want this information. Well, now we go back to you, mm. Tim. This is you, yeah. little
3: guy. But the audience is needing it so oh, yeah, much at this it, yeah. point. really hate exposition. This girl is an amazing actress. I have seen her in
1: something else.
2: We would talk, I remember, before most scenes and and
3: uh,
2: as we were working, running across the lines for camera blocking, we would always talk about the uh, what was going on in... Uh, In the minds of the actors and stuff like that you know what is this really about as John was talking about that's that to him that passage in the book meant very uh, a lot to him because it it kind of drew him more and more into the piece to the character and we all kind of stood with him on that because we knew it would help us
4: I think one of the things that's really good about this company is that what makes it a a great ensemble to, to you know to be a part of is that um Everybody's supporting everybody else, and and mm-hmm. you see throughout it that, that that there's a lot of reacting, a lot of listening going on. Really, mm-hmm, uh, we mm-hmm. all we all regarded everybody's uh, role with with equal importance to our own, which was, uh, you know, a generous a generous tone to the set, which I really appreciated.
3: There was an obvious respect for each other's yeah. work that is not always apparent in other projects that you do. You know, because people are working on their next deal or reading their next script or whatever they're doing. <laughs> yeah. But everybody was very hooked up and linked up and interested in what the, the other actor was mm. going to be doing. Yeah. And trying to match it with their own creative ideas. It was really a good, good, good experience. Yeah, it was. Nobody phoned this in.
4: I have a picture, color picture, of all of us standing on the staircase. Oh, wow. Do you have that picture, you guys?
3: No. no, no, no. I do, too.
4: It's really neat. Oh, yeah. And then I think tim curry's head is burned in to the
2: bottom of it or something hmm. i didn't uh, get one of those hmm. I, guess I have to call my agent oh i don't have an agent <laughs>
4: <laughs> sorry no vacancy don't remember that oh that's my agency oh that's funny. sorry no vacancy sorry, no off of the track. after this scene Tommy said can you do it any faster I said yeah but then we're going into a uh, different kind of a movie <laughs> and <laughs> I think Dennis was great Tim was great Richard was great Annette was great but I think Harry took this time to just take a little nap oh no he's alive is he awake Is he's not even looking at me son of a bitch thank you Annette see she's keeping the ball rolling yeah <laughs> she, she interrupted me see, she's added this Dennis is cool. Richard's cool. Tim has left the room.
2: <laughs> I'm trying to unscrew Tim, what, a jar, I think. Tim, what, there's Tim. Hey, hey, hey. hey love yeah, you, yeah, They put that in from you.
3: another scene. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there, there. You're trying to... What are you putting in batteries? I'm trying
2: to screw that uh, mag light or something. I'm trying to get that thing up. You know how difficult they are to get open. Oh, this is where we clean the up The whole sink.
3: thing, this whole sink thing with this little girl is my creepiest moment in it. Yeah,
4: yeah. because then she cleans it all up by herself, and then...
3: And it's gonna bubble back up. Plus, this actress knocks my socks off. I've seen her in something else. I've seen her being in a show where she testifies.
0: It was, to some degree, coincidental. Uh, casting the casting of this movie, of the big parts in this movie, was mostly an issue of who was available, whether the deals could be made. Uh, you know, it wasn't done in a an audition situation as much as it was done over the telephone with lots of agents and. Uh, Network executives putting in their two cents. These were wonderful
4: kids. I just thought all of them, you know, each one was so great in this movie. See, that's the thing is that everybody thinks they're going crazy until they meet the rest of the group. This was a really sweet scene. Now, in the book, do you remember what happens?
3: She... Look at this. Yeah. So sweet.
4: In the book... Beverly
3: makes love with all of us as yeah. young kids uh-huh. You know what I love about these kids they really seem like they're from the period yeah They yeah. do not seem like modern slick right. versions right of, you know right. dressed in period outfits. They just seem sad and quiet and you know they just they're they're really you hear they, that oh, good oh, casting Victoria. Victoria God bless Victoria love Victoria.
4: Oh, this is this is a bad scene with Mike
3: Oh no! Yeah, yeah. This, this is, is this is a little this is rough. The, uh, Sorry, Mikey. Yeah,
2: this is comes out an opportune it's
3: moment. It's your fault, Dennis. You should oh, have been
2: watching. Have it. To cut out of here as well as to get cut.
4: <laughs> There's a scene here with uh, that that we sort of improvised about a kissing scene, which in the book Ben blows up to 500 pounds. They were going to cut that, and we talked about what if the clown comes in in a different way, mm-hmm. and so it was the thing of of kissing. And then... Uh, You're going to see it, aren't you? Yeah, and yeah. I told Tim to smear his uh, his lips. Oh, look at this.
0: Oh!
3: Oh!
4: Well, <laughs> That's how Tennessee Williams died.
3: With well, a... Uh, uh, Swallowing something a like electric that. Electric toothbrush?
4: No, I think it was a binaca cap, but that has nothing yeah. to do with this movie, so...
3: A vodka cap?
4: See, like that. Be careful, Dennis.
3: I actually still take all those things. Look, I have them here. I thought this was really
4: well directed this morning. Yeah.
3: I love this little poem. Those pillow lips, John.
4: She's giving them to you. Okay, I love Annette too. Leave me alone.
3: <laughs> I'm ready now, are
4: you? Oh well, yeah. I love you, Annette. Always have, always will.
3: By God, help me. Mm.
2: This is where we threw she water on you, I think. Yeah, She's got so
3: much beard hair in her teeth right now. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> it's just really unattractive. She had to shave her mouth. She tastes a lot like Tim Curry. I don't know. Uh, to... What?
4: This was creepy. A little zinc oxide. and
3: huh. You know, they never showed her butt before, like, Alexei.
2: Kiss me, bad boy. <laughs> <laughs> I think we My had, we had, t-shirts? We, had from the movie. we had buttons, Kiss Me Fat Kiss me Boy. Fat Kiss me boy. Fat I still fat have boy. that button. Kiss Me I Fat Boy. I wear it from
3: time to time. <laughs> oh, no, Tim. It's nice to
4: have
2: your friends around, huh, Mike?
3: Yeah, I mean, they're taking vitamin C, for Christ. I mean, for God's sake.
2: I remember that, uh, I had to tell Michael, this is acting.
4: <laughs> yeah, he, he was really... He you, was really... You were holding off that He knife. was really... He was, no, he no, was into this. He was really pushing it down on you. Oh, yeah. yeah. It took Dennis and me a couple of tugs to get him (laughs) off you.
3: And I think he actually stuck that in himself. Yeah, he did. He did. And he
4: died, actually, on the set.
3: (laughs) Never move the injured person. Put them in a sports car and drive them to a. Oh,
4: they didn't show us. We did this whole thing of carrying Tim down the steps. Remember that? Yeah. <laughs> Where his and they head was of course. You know, the, and I'm carried, and we're just ter- you know, and it's it's like, and they didn't show any of that. And we all get in the car. We yeah. all get in this I mean, car. Speaking of clowns, <laughs> and that was a neat shot. That, that, that was, was on a sound stage. The camera came down on
3: us. Well, yeah, for your. And it's Tim. Um, well, they wanted to really make it look like you were not
0: gonna make it. I think that's a great question in a horror movie. Why is the monster so mean? Damn. like this thing that happens where we're having a real moment, but he's been traumatized by his imaginings and the little game that uh, Pennywise is doing to his head. Now that she finally comes real with him, says something heartfelt, he can't be sure. That's the stuff of uh, Invasion of the Body Snatchers and uh, other pod movies. Uh, I just love that theme and that idea. You can't believe what this person is telling you. Is this person real? Made an installment of the Halloween series, a kind of aberration because it wasn't really a sequel, but it was called Halloween 3, Season of the Witch. And uh, it was my tribute to Invasion of the Body Snatchers. uh, as opposed to a knife movie which was the halloween tradition it was a pod movie i'll call it and uh, it was all about that it was all about that you can't trust what you see you don't know whether these creatures are real or whether they've been manufactured for your benefit either through mechanical means or through the power of the mind but in a romantic sense you can't fool somebody when they kiss you when you kiss them if that feels real, that's really real.
3: They wouldn't let you in because you have that leather vest on. <laughs> <laughs> he got it as a sale to the Village People <laughs> <laughs> store in New York. At the YMCA. Oh, sorry. Oh, he's, What is he so angry about? Hey, hey, easy. He? Didn't you have any insurance? <laughs>
2: Librarian? Yeah, right. HMO. I was the first <laughs> member of the HMO club.
3: It's the skinniest bed I've ever
1: seen.
2: <laughs> I've always found six scenes hard to do because you never know what level. I mean, you're trying yeah. to play the pain, you're trying to play the get the lines out. I remember fretting over that. I really wanted it, to be it really frustrated me because uh, you know we'd come so far together as a team, and then it's like saying, "Okay, you can go home now. We have no more per diem." <laughs> <laughs> I'm going, but I want to see the monster. Kept going, well, can I stay to see the monster? Yeah.
4: Why do I think we kept filming in order? It seems like we did, but I don't know if we did or not.
3: I don't know that we did No, it doesn't in order, but I know the spider was the last thing. The last thing, yeah. yeah. So it made us feel like it was in order.
0: It's a funny thing about horror movies in general. Uh, people ask over and over again, what is the appeal? Why? Does this genre not only survive, but thrive it's not even as though it's a there's a fad at work it just seems to be there in the corner perennially uh waiting seasonally for yet another and it doesn't even have to be a big budget fancy movie as long as it succeeds in scaring the audience it has a chance for success throughout the years and the answer i think is very simple People love to be scared when they're in control. No one loves to really be thrust into a dark alley in the middle of a big city late at night and have to walk two blocks to their car. That's scary, that's real. Nobody wants to be scared in that fashion. But in a theater, we're allowed to let go and believe for that moment. And because we're in control, because we're in the theater, it's fun. It's as much fun as an amusement park. We're put through it. We love that sensation. That's as old as sitting around a campfire.
1: We got in a lot of trouble, Ritter and I, shooting this scene because he started doing his Jerry Lewis imitations, and I thought they were going to send us home for the night. Of course, you know, I was pretty naughty too.
4: I don't remember this at all. What's happening, Dennis? He's going to go in there and see him and his mom. Oh, playing flirted Elise? Yeah.
0: This is my favorite kind of scary storytelling. It's relying only on ideas.
1: You can't run away from the bad stuff. You can, but then it'll keep following you. So at some point, you just have to face it and go through it. I had a hard time at this scene. And the main reason for this is, you know, in a class of kids, when one of them has to stand up and be like the leader, nobody wants him to do that it's like I had to give a speech right to these guys and we were all we were like brothers and sister in this you know so all of a sudden here was Richard giving a, a you know a, a kind of a hero's speech and uh, I felt like I was preaching to these guys and we were way too far gone in our relationships as colleagues for me to feel totally comfortable with with uh, preaching a lesson to them and of course true to form they uh, they gave me a little bit of a hard time about it but they were very supportive and, you
0: know. Here's a good problem. Do they look to the right of the camera or to the left?
1: This time I'm gonna kill it.
0: Does it matter? Help me. Does anybody care but the director? I'll leave you to conclude whether you think I got it right or not. Please help me. In purely technical terms, I didn't. This is a great example of uh, an actor's input. I asked the group to come and hug him the way they had as children and harry anderson said come on what are we going to sing kumbaya too which is a line i later incorporated into another scene and he wouldn't go over there and at the time it, it bothered me but shortly after rehearsing
1: it i thought yeah yeah this is this is right this is the right choice by the time we shot this we were so into these characters and how much they cared about each other it's those emotional hugs that uh, create the bonds on screen whether actors are physically touching or not that's really an acting out i think of the of the essence of an ensemble is it's one big communal hug then you can fight with each other on screen and have and and do anything you want because underneath you've established this sense of trust and this bond and that that frees you to play the tough stuff as well
0: I think maybe this is where the kumbaya line came out that came about because (laughs) I invited the actors over to my house and uh, by the time Harry showed up we're already back there chatting and uh, I had a guitar so it was lying around and we were passing it around and he walked out in typical Harry Anderson fashion and we were having our little sort of hippie bacchanal there on the grass, and he walks up and says, Oh, please, are we going to start singing Kumbaya? And, of course, that was not only Harry, but that was Richie Tozier, too. Miss you, Harry. Come home.
4: I didn't have to get on a plane in L.A. I didn't have to go to the dinner. I should Harry the is dinner. very interesting because uh, in this thing, a couple of times it got too sentimental, and there was always yeah. Harry as Harry or Harry as Richie to just, you know, sort of say, Hey! wake up and smell my feet he was always pushing for that hey do you remember this strange place this was very very creepy everything around was a possible tetanus infection I don't know what this was this was a yeah yeah. this was a very very uh, tricky place everybody had to watch where they stepped and where they touched because everything was sort of uh, rusted and you know we had to go down into that thing, that was not fun. I think that was a fake thing.
3: That was a fake thing. It wasn't very deep. No. I still have that coat.
1: <laughs> the hardest thing for me to make believable was this section in here, the the um, going after the monster and reacting to the monster. I had been so uh, keyed into the psychological aspects of the terror, the imagined terrors of the, of the film, that to all of a sudden confront a monster which was a supposedly a flesh-and-blood reality um, was was difficult to do. Basically I find monsters of the mind a lot more frightening and a lot creepier than, you know, real creatures. See if I did that today it would take me five minutes to get up. They'd have to have a pit crew to get me up to get me do it again. I can only do two takes like that now.
0: One thing we did not retain from the book as children when they were stuck down there, uh, in the whole intrigue leading up to the climax uh, of fighting the beast, or maybe it was just after, sometime in, the, in that whole part, young Beverly Marsh made love to each of the other boys. Quite a rite of passage, kind of a bonding experience. Uh, a major fantasy, I think, for uh, Stephen King. Um, Stay close I, it's funny but it just didn't ring true to me it felt like a major fantasy that the author for a moment let himself get carried away and it didn't feel I, I didn't see the reason for it or the point in it uh in a way it interfered with all these other issues that were being raised about oh my god you know it as child molester and all the rest and all of a sudden we're entering these children's sexuality Uh, It felt like a wrong choice, and so uh, I didn't go there.
1: Again, reacting to an imaginary external reality is always more complicated than responding to an internal impulse, for me, for this actor. The process mitigates against making this easy because of the time that it takes, you know, just getting things like this to work. And eventually you just get giddy and start playing around, and you, or you get bored, you get tired, or, you know, it's, it's complicated. It's hard to just stay put, you know, and remain committed. Him, this kind of thing I find really spooky and terrific. Something as, as simple as this little paper boat, uh, I find to be really creepy.
4: I feel all, so good with the film up until we lose Tim to the uh, robot. That was the only thing. I just wish that Tim Curry was the final, in some incarnation, even if his voice was in it, that we lost Pennywise in a way. Not that a giant, you know, a giant spider with a red nose and fuzzy hair, but uh, at least give the spider a squirt bottle like Clarabelle or something. My boat. Nobody knows who Clarabelle is anymore.
3: I used to date her.
4: (laughs) See, that creeps me
3: out that little kid there with that face and no arm. It's very gutsy to have all these children involved. Uh, you know yeah. what I mean? Because now it's like you—you know—children are such, they're yeah. so sacrosanct. You can't, you know, everything is save the children and don't get let the children and all that stuff.
1: I hate watching myself. I just, I just—not my favorite thing to do. You know, it's like having a snake in the room. When I got a when I got a picture on at home and it's on, the family wants to watch it. I just stand by the kitchen door and peek in and. You know, keep my eyes half closed. Really, it's like having a snake in the room. For me, the pleasure is in the process of it, not watching the, not watching the finished product. I think a lot of actors feel that way. It's just unnatural, isn't it?
0: Here's one we didn't capture. I wanted so badly for these roots, which had grown down in the ceiling of this centrum area, to be so thick. And for somehow this image of the clown to be in the roots, to, for the roots to be actually moving and writhing, and for them to be glowing with this image, it was a terrifying notion. And we played with it and worked with it, but did not pull it off. Just couldn't find a way to achieve it. So in the end, we simply had to superimpose this image. Uh, pretty cheesy for me. I, uh, I can still picture that other version in my head but it was many, many tens of thousands of dollars and several weeks of time away from us. A little bit of a shaggy dog story. Have to keep going from point A to point B to point C to find the beast. Ooh, but the boat. Give me the boat. I loved the little set that the boat takes us to. Also, I think we captured it on film effectively. It was adorable a little door that you had to squat down to get to to get through uh, with skulls and bones all around the entranceway. Really a horrifying idea of a lair deep in the bowels of the earth somewhere with this strange little door. That was right from the book, pretty much the way Stephen King wrote it. And just just a weird idea, kind of, you know, what the hell lives in there oh dear the thing that was virtually impossible to achieve and i and i still wonder if we could have achieved it even if we'd had unlimited millions of dollars and all the time in the world was the actual combat with the creature in the book it's very cerebral and it is Uh, we've been leading up through the entire book of the power this thing has to mess with your mind and to to influence the way you think and that it's constantly a battle of will and constantly a mental exercise to to prevail to get on top of this and to not let it kind of suck you in and take you under and when we get to the battle royal as it were we're faced with a kind of cosmic inter, almost intergalactic struggle that is timeless and spaceless and uh, plays on certain myths involving the great creature the great turtle the great whatever Um, and this epic struggle between good and evil which stephen king just is fluid with and just loves to write about and uh, paint these word vistas in in this uh, timeless sort of universe where someone is floating suspended uh, and where they have to to have this epic mental and emotional and cosmic struggle with uh, the forces of some kind of uh, evil that transcends all of our senses well gee try putting that on film it's uh it's too abstract it's too difficult i'd love to have to have tackled it some more Uh, but of course for the sake of this drama it had to be simplified into plain terms and in stephen king's book um, we were certainly true to the facts of the book and to the plot itself it in the end is this big horrifying spider and i remember when i read it honestly saying, ah, gee, a spider? After all that, it's just a big spider? Um, I tried not to let that sense get in the way. uh, For me, I tried to keep it, uh, you know, a great sense of wonder and a uh, sense of horror about this thing, but there is just an absolute inevitable feeling to me of Well, gee, now finally it's finite. It's no longer the great unknown. My imagination is no longer allowed to roam. Um, I can't speculate and I can't wonder or imagine any longer. I have to now accept that the whole ball of wax is right there in front of me. I think there's an inevitable disappointment involved, whether we succeeded on our terms or not, whether the spider and the creature and the special effects and the armatures and all the, you know, special effects, uh, technical work is effective or not effective on its own terms, I think the story lets us down to some degree. It did me. And that was simply an inevitability that uh, I felt coming from a long way off.
1: The story seems to be leading us to, to feel that these are truly just psychic fears that need to be healed and maybe sends a bit of a mixed signal towards the end here when it kind of turns into a, a monster movie.
0: Still, I think uh, the actors are to be saluted for their part in it, because uh, they played it with absolute conviction. And this is very tenuous stuff. If the actors slip, if they falter, if they can't somehow get all the way where they need to be, none of the rest of us have are, are going to go near it we're not going to have a chance and they did they played it with absolute conviction and uh, I'm grateful to them because I felt like I was on pretty thin ice this is cool slow-mo everybody started firing their guns that way eventually turning that gun sideways and upside down to shoot it
1: oh well not this time I think Dennis was such a great choice for this part
0: The spider was less than I wanted it to be. In design and on paper, the legs were more muscular, kind of chunkier, and had a more horrific aspect. Unbeknownst to me, they discovered that the physics of the construction of that creature were such that they could not do that. It was physically impossible. It simply wouldn't, the weight of it wouldn't hold up. They just kind of neglected to mention that to me until they showed up with the spider. So we had what we had, and that was that.
3: You're all just going to, like, stick your hands in it, right? Yeah. It's yeah. just, it's like fondue. We just tore this it's thing just, apart. It's hatred. It's I, love, anger, the, it's I love the
4: fact that they said, okay, Richie said, I'm not coming back
3: here when I'm 70. Let's finish it. Weren't you all grabbing? Didn't they have, like, all guts that, in buckets? Yeah,
4: yeah. I don't know how much they wanted to see it. There was so much guts in buckets that they all yeah. had to grab and hold on to the and heart. throw down. The heart was like a very weird
1: looking thing i think that was a sense of um, a wonderful sense of catharsis finally of being able to just uh get in there and do that at the end just for the characters we really did get a sense that we were purging something but you don't want it ever to be silly, that's the thing, you know, that's the question you're always asking yourself when you're doing these things as a group or as an individual, is this too much, is it just enough, is it going to sell it, is it too, is it hokey, is it silly, I want it to be real, it's, it's complicated when you deal with these hyper-realistic situations.
0: We've got this whole damsel in distress thing to deal with, that was a little rough, I felt like we were kind of in fantasy land now where these, these things were releasing. I was just praying it was plausible enough and the drama was strong enough and the performances were good enough that people were still buying in. Kind of reflect the childhood shot. Here's our hothead camera again. And then in order to be true to the book, I needed to go, the, the whole device of, of um, one of the characters narrating the story, now is when it paid off for me because there was lots more to tell, but really the story's over now and uh in the novel stephen king effortlessly just kept going just chapter after chapter and somehow you know you were hooked you'd made a commitment as a reader seven eight nine hundred pages in you're not going to stop now you've made a commitment you're there for the final hundred pages whether no matter what it's harder in a movie the the drama is done the story is told the beast is vanquished and so how do you get to the finish line rapidly while being true to your characters and not simply cutting them off the way so many to me uh, the way so many movies sometimes do rather crassly it's like okay uh we're finished fade out and i go but wait but wait where's the Dana uh where's the where's the goodbye so i think the device of the storyteller the voiceover storyteller pays off at this point where we can get through a lot of material fairly quickly and uh, kind of have a, uh, a moment with our, every character as a bit of a goodbye.
1: I've always remembered this picture with a, a great deal of fondness, not only because I think we made a really good movie and a sort of a groundbreaking horror movie for television, one which combined horror with psychological reality and depth, but because it was one of the best times I ever had making a picture, and because I was working with real friends and, um, and making new ones. I I love this picture. This
4: is one of my favorite things I've ever done with the, you know, one of the best casts I've ever worked with, you know, person for person. And I have nothing but joyous memories of this, except for that damn spider. <laughs>
3: um,
4: but I loved working with you guys and the, you know, and uh, Annette. and It'd be, be fun to go back to Derry when we're 60.
2: Yes, mm-hmm. would, yes. Which it was is about 11. four weeks from now. Yeah. <laughs> It was a lot of fun for me as well. I, again, you, in your career, you hope to have uh, memories uh, uh, that you carry with you, and this is certainly one that I want to carry with me: the camaraderie, the uh, the work, and I just I'm just still pissed that I didn't get to see the monster. <laughs>
3: <laughs> There's nothing more that I can add to that. It was just one of the best experiences I've ever had working, and an important part, and a joyful part of my life to work with the friends that I'd already had and to make new ones, and to finally be in a Stephen King project and Tommy Lee was just uh, had created a great atmosphere for us to do our best work on and uh, it'll always be very important to me
0: Good, and a good time was had by all my thanks to a brilliant cast and crew